You are listening to the Uni to Universe podcast, episode two. Having the courage to leave your studies and step out into the big corporate world can be scary. It may not be easy, but it is possible. If you are ready for a melting pot of strategies and ideas, ready to reduce your frustration and confusion over your career next steps, then you are in the right place. Here is where we will spend many an hour plotting your future, digging into industry trends and making your mind-blowing career a reality. I am your host, Mandy Tucker, and today we are joined by Sigourney Bell, Oncology PhD student at Cambridge University and co-founder of Black in Cancer. Welcome, Sigourney. How are you? Um, You have an array of uh, credentials behind your name, and we're so glad to have you with us. It is my pleasure to be here. Great. Today's discussion is really about whether a PhD is going to reap the rewards for your career long term or whether our listeners should be actually taking a different path. Um, And I know you've gone through this experience and you've landed your PhD. So what made you choose the PhD institution that you did? How does the university or PhD you choose get influenced by the professor and their reputation, do you think? There's a number of things that kind of made me decide on the PhD that I wanted to do. But the one major thing was the subject. So I'm in oncology and, and, you know, based in the STEM world. But it was really important to think about whether I could look at that particular project for four years, that even when it wasn't working, even when it was challenging, I could power through that. So that was really important. In terms of professor, it was about thinking about my relationship with them, thinking about how would I want to navigate that. Some professors are super senior, have a really fantastic reputation, but on that comes lots of other responsibilities. Usually they're fairly high up in the university, which means that they may not have as much time for that one-to-one contact with you to be able to do that. And that's the case that I'm in. But it was thinking about whether I was capable of managing that or do I want a newer principal investigator or professor that allows me to have more one-on-one time with them, more contact, are with me in the lab to go through and discuss things. You know, who are the other people in the lab who will support me through my PhD? So at the moment, I have a group of postdocs that I can go to who are people who've finished their PhD and are doing more work on individual projects. Can I go to them and ask them questions? So it's really important to understand the atmosphere in the lab and speak to them ahead of time. Usually somewhere in the interview process, you get to speak to other people who are in that group. So those are really important things to think about and to assess before kind of embracing and, and running on to do a PhD. Brilliant. Thank you for the advice. And I know it's quite an arduous task to actually apply for a PhD and, you know, wait for that outcome. So I'm interested to know how you dealt with the rejection and how would you advise people to be more resilient in that process? Um, Share some experiences with us on how you embarked on this journey and how you dealt with the uncertainty along the way. I was on this journey for PhD applications for quite a while. I finished my undergraduate degree in the summer of 2014 and didn't start my PhD until October of 2019. Five years, um, I spent time working for pharmaceutical companies along the way, but it was still constant applying interviews, getting to the final stage and being rejected on a number of occasions. It was really hard. It was really challenging Certainly, I don't wish for anybody else to go through that level of of rejection, that experience. But unfortunately, these things do happen. But one thing I learned along the way was to not take it personally. They are looking at you on paper. And when they meet you in person, they're thinking about the fit into their own lab and environment. They're not rejecting you as a person 
they are assessing you as a piece to fit into their puzzle. And if they don't see you fitting into the puzzle piece space that they have, then they'll choose somebody else. But that doesn't mean that you aren't capable. It doesn't mean that you aren't able to do that. And if it's what you want to do, keep persevering. Make sure you have a good support network. But the biggest thing I would say is try to not take it personally. It's not an attack on your character or your work ethic. It's just, are you the right puzzle piece for them? And if you're, if they don't see that, it doesn't mean that somebody else won't. And what opportunities did you take in terms of leveraging other PhD students that had gone through the process before? Is that openly available to you? And what sources did you use to tap into that? I used a lot of the kind of supervisors that I'd had along the way. During my undergraduate, I'd done a summer studentship in a lab was asking them for advice. I did a year in industry, so would ask my year in industry supervisors for advice. But the person that actually helped me the most and, and was the person to help me get my CV to a point where I actually got my PhD was fellow student who I'd done my undergraduate with and she'd gone on to do a PhD straight afterwards. And she had been reviewing PhDs to get into her lab and, and I sat down with her and was just like, please, can you help me? And she sat down, we reworked my CV together. She told me like, this is what they're gonna be looking for and whatever, and went through it with me. Then I got it. I would say, if you know somebody, ask them for all the advice that you can get, but also think about if you don't know somebody, what, who can you reach out to? Usually on social media, whether that's Twitter, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, there are so many different sources of finding somebody with a PhD who's in your field, to ask those questions to because usually they're more than willing to answer them okay all right so i hope our listeners are going to be doing that and actually reaching out to whoever they've got available but if not yes yeah, social media is always a great source so can you talk us through the application process in more detail you mentioned the cv there but i'm sure there are some other things that are uh, pivotal to a successful application usually for a lot of application processes it will be a full application form a cv and a cover letter then you obviously have to gather all of your evidence for your academics so on and so forth which usually by that point is fairly easy because it's it hasn't been that long it's about working together your application form sometimes they ask for a personal statement thinking about how you're going to craft that sometimes there's a character limit so thinking about how you can put yourself across your dedication your determination to whatever said topic, putting in your level of experience, but also when it comes to your cover letter, thinking about how you can put across the skills that are required that you've seen in the application in the first place. So what skills are they looking for? What kind of soft skills are they looking for? Communication, scientific communication, all of those things, whether that's you know science or whatever it is that you're doing. Think about the key skills that are required for those and how you can demonstrate them. Uh, those are the most important things they're looking for. How can you fill in? How, you don't, don't expect you to have all of the skills, but the ones that you do have, show them off. Yeah, and those and doing that is what's going to stand you apart from others because many programs receive more applications with stellar grades and test scores than they could admit into the program, right? So making yourself to stand out is going to be really important. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so tell us, tell us how and why you chose um, a PhD. Um, I think the on average only one point one percent of the world's twenty five to sixty four year olds who've been to university have a PhD. So really low stats on that. Why was a PhD right? for you for a number of reasons which have kind of changed over the years when I was doing my undergraduate I was like I love research this is what I want to be in 
it just makes sense as the next step. People had spoken to me and been like, you should really do a PhD. And I was like, okay, yeah, great. What's one of those? So then having spent time with people who'd done a PhD and, and asking questions, then kind of found out, was like, right, okay, yeah, I could dedicate myself to a project for that period of time and so on and so forth. And when I didn't get them, then obviously spending time working in industry, realizing that actually I couldn't get beyond a certain level without having a PhD, also because more and more people are deciding to do PhDs. I was like, unless I want to remain in my position or move up super slowly, I'm going to have to step out and get a PhD. And if I decide to go back into industry, then I'll be able to kind of accelerate myself up the kind of career progression ladder. So that was really important to me. And I wanted to be able to advance my career. And that was my way of doing that. Since starting my PhD, I'm now actually... I came into it with an open mind in being like, maybe I'll go back into industry, maybe I'll stay in academia. And I think that was really great for me to just come in with an open mindset and be like, let's see how I enjoy this and take the next step from there. Yeah, because it's not always um, a natural progression into the workplace entry, is it, a PhD? No, no, absolutely. And it really depends on your field, whether it's required, and then making those decisions as to whether you're passionate enough that you can really survive doing a PhD if you're just doing it for it to be a means to an end so it's really thinking about do you love this enough because it's a long time to dedicate and particularly if you're in a field that isn't maybe well funded you know science PhDs tend to be better funded than other fields so thinking about that and the impact that that might have the kind of cost to benefit ratio and then moving forward from there. And obviously you're, now you're quite quite a distance through your PhD. So what skills are required to be successful when embarking on a PhD? Although, you know, dedication to study is a given, how can we help our, our listeners to really put the right skills into place so that they are doing the right things at the right time throughout this process? Mm-hmm. An ability to listen and learn and be critical about your own work. The people that you're working with have been working in their fields for a number of years, whether that's the postdocs in your group who have already done their PhD and are maybe one or two years post their PhD. Now they've been there six years, seven years in that field. If you are working under a professor, they've been maybe working there for in a subject area for five, 10, 15, 25 years. Sometimes you're thinking, oh, I've, you know, I've done this. This seems like a really good way. And then someone's like, no, we wouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. This is the way that this should be done. It's being able to be self-critical about the work that you're doing and not taking that personally and understanding how to communicate with others about your work, what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing and being able to justify that as well. It takes a kind of semi-level of self-confidence and also just not giving in to imposter syndrome. Right. Okay. So self-confidence, overcoming imposter syndrome, communication, all of the great skills and skills that you really need to take into the workplace in years to come, you are foundationally working on while doing a PhD. And that's great to know. One of the last questions I've got for you is around the financial outlay that I'm sure many would use as a a reason not to um, undertake a PhD. What is the expectation that this will be balanced out with salary trajectory over time or does that not actually happen, do you think? That really depends on which field you're in and where you decide to move with that. In terms of pay, sometimes it can even depend on which country you're in. Being in the UK and being in academia, the pay is... In science, the pay is reasonable. There may not be a huge, you know, 
progression unless you really move up and you decide to become a professor and take on a number of other things as well. Whereas maybe if you move to industry, the career progression is, is a lot easier. You don't have to kind of rely on things like publications and getting grants and so on and so forth. So you really have to think, have a think about the progression that you may want, the route you may want to go down, but also how important the money is to you versus you doing what you absolutely love. Some people are fantastic scientists and could be in industry or could be in academia and choose to go down the academic route, even though it would pay them less because it's just their life's passion. They love having control of an entire project and to lead that and to direct that and really change their field. Whereas they may feel like they can't really do that in industry. It's how you weigh up, not necessarily the cost to benefit ratio of, you know, sacrificing some money during doing your PhD, but your enjoyment of what you do on a day-to-day basis and thinking about how that might impact you and your own life moving forward. So tell us then, what's next for Sigourney Bell? Um, After you finished your PhD studies, um, you are now the co-founder of Black in Cancer and Forbes 30 Under 30. So what's next for you in your career? I have two years of my PhD left. So still a little bit of time to decide. I'm still fairly open when it comes to being in academia or being in industry, which I kind of hadn't been coming into my PhD, still kind of leaving things open. I have a fantastic network through my supervisor when it comes to being in academia, but also my links from when I was in industry. There are a lot of doors open at the moment and just trying to assess what's best and what I might like to do moving forward. But I think this next year of doing my PhD will be really critical in making that decision moving forward. And we wish you every success with that, Sigourney, and I'm looking forward to, in months to come, welcoming you back onto the show to tell us how successful you've been with all your endeavours. So as we close out the show today, um, we've had some great discussion about why to um, embark on a PhD, how to do it and really execute it well. So make sure you share this podcast episode widely with your peers and check back with me and let me know how you get on in terms of your PhD applications. Um, It's been great speaking to you today. Um, That's all we have time for today and it's a big thank you to Sigourney Bell. If you are interested in finding out more about Sigourney and her initiatives, follow her on Twitter and Instagram at SIGS28 at S-I-G-G-S 28. If you're ready to plan your career and need support, then head over to my internet home www.mandytuckercoaching.com and all my socials.